Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Thursday. And uh, it is a cold one, as you you heard Bill Guile mention there. It's probably going to get up to around 44 degrees later on today, but right now it's cold. It's like around 20 degrees. So if you are heading out, bundle up, but also, you know, maybe you can peel off a layer a little bit later on in the day. I don't know about you, but 44 degrees is... I'd be fine with, uh, you know, a T-shirt and a jacket in 44 degrees. Obviously not staying outside for a prolonged period of time, but just, you know, going back and forth from buildings to the car. And um, But 20 degrees, yeah, I put on a couple extra things as I was leaving the house this morning because, I don't know, maybe maybe it's the weight loss or whatever, but I'm feeling the cold more this year. Maybe it's, it's probably probably the health issues. But I'm feeling the, the cold more this year than I have in the past. I was going to say, it seems like it's been colder than in past years. But I was looking at something online that said, yeah, it's right around average. So I, I don't know. Maybe weighing 80 less pounds makes me more susceptible to the cold. I hope that it makes me feel a lot better in the summertime when it's hot. Because I always say, I'd much rather have it be... You know, 20 degrees when I wake up, then 90 degrees as I'm going about my day. It's one thing, you know, Barry Richard and I don't agree on a lot of things. 
that you hear us talk about on the radio, but we, we agree on a lot of things and we have a lot of common ground kind of off air. But one thing we will definitely not agree on, he is a summer person. I am a fall person. <laughs> I prefer the cooler weather, the crisp leaves, the, uh, the fact that you can go outside in just a sweatshirt in the afternoon, but by the evening you better have a jacket. That's my kind of weather. So there's a lot that we can discuss this morning. Uh, we can continue talking about the federal building situation. You heard Mayor Mitchell with Chris yesterday talking about this, and we have the article up at WBSM.com and on the app that also has the back-and-forth letters between Mayor John Mitchell and uh, Glenn Rotundo, who is the regional administrator for the U.S. Government Services Agency or General Services Agency, whatever. But the people who are in charge of overseeing these federal buildings and the mayor had a, a, a great quote yesterday about why New Bedford needs a federal building. He says, you know, this isn't Mayberry. And it sounds like the GSA is not taking into account. They're looking at what New Bedford is right now, and they're using what Mayor Mitchell calls a, a flawed methodology for determining that this Federal building is not profitable. And as, as Mayor Mitchell said, I didn't know that the government was in the business of making a profit. But that they feel like it's not worth keeping that building going. But they're, they're looking at New Bedford now and not what New Bedford's future will be. With the expansion of the offshore wind industry here, which the federal government will be regulating with the Mayor Mitchell described it as a internal discussions within NOAA to have expanded and, and, and to kind of consolidate all their New England operations and base it here in New Bedford. Not to mention an increased population and an aging generation that will be likely to live longer. I mean, the mayor didn't get into this, but it's just the reality of, of the world and society these days is that they are prolonging life. And so there are people who are in the generation that may not be utilizing Social Security right now, but will be in a few years. And they're going to live longer and they're going to need more Social Security services. And so that office, that um, agency will need more of a presence. And as I've said before, anybody that's ever gone to the Social Security office in New Bedford, you know you're waiting for a while for the most part because they, they have a lot of business to do there as it is right now. So I think the mayor is absolutely right on this. There's a need for this. But he also spoke about it's not just New Bedford. It's the whole region. That if you don't have this federal building here, you're sending people, what, to Boston? And we're talking about simple things. You know, not everybody has to go to the Social Security Agency for a sit-down meeting and you know, uh, 
review board and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you're just going there to make an alteration, to make a change. To change your name when you get married or whatever these different things are that you'll have to do. And now you're going to have to go to Boston to do that? I mean, granted, we live in a world where a lot of things can be done online, but some things still need to be done in person. And so I think you'll be able to rally not only, well, obviously the congressional delegation is supposed to be putting out a letter of support for keeping it open as well, but you might hear from some of the officials in municipalities around New Bedford. You know, saying we also want to see our, our residents be able to just go to New Bedford instead of having to go to Boston. I can tell you, going to Boston to have to do something is not fun. You know, to, to go there and, have, and know you're going to be waiting in line or trying to find a place to park. It's a real pain. Now, I will say this. The things that I've had to go up there and do, is I didn't have to wait in line as long. But it's just the process of getting there, parking, finding what you need because it's not, you know, it's not like you're going to, it's not like you're going to uh, walk right in and there's the window that you need. The, the last time I went through something like that was when I went to get my passport, which was like 10 years ago now, but I went to get my passport and I didn't have a birth certificate. I had one. But it was so old and it had been kind of folded up and kept in a lockbox that it had pretty much disintegrated. And I was born in Boston, so I had to go to, the Bo- to Boston City Hall and get a new one. And the process was easy. But the process of getting there and parking was not. So if we have that facility here, you know, it just obviously not. I wasn't getting my birth certificate here. But if we have a way to help people here in New Bedford... It's it's a lot better. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello. Good morning. Um, isn't the... Um, I understood that the rule was passed uh, several years ago that you had to have a real ID to get into a federal building. Does uh, that still hold... I believe, well, I believe that the requirement for everything to be a, a, a real ID has now gone into play. So, you know, an airport, a federal building, anywhere where you were required to show ID, I believe in 2023 was the year that it had to become a real ID. I could be wrong. Well, do you think that, like me, I'm in my 80s, and uh, to look for, a, go for a real ID, I don't have any of my past documents. I've moved several times and all this stuff. Changed my name a few times. So I can't go to the Social Security building down here, can I? Well, I just looked it up. And it turns out, it looks like it's 2025 that this goes into effect. May of 2025. I thought it was 2023. Oh, oh yeah. I thought it was already in effect. But I mean, well, they're already giving real. So like if you went down to the RMV today to renew a license, they're going to give you a real ID, which will require you to probably bring some documentation the first time. But then once you once they have it on file, you don't have to worry about it. I know, but I don't have the (laughs) I was looking at it because I don't have any of the documents, you know, between the moves and everything throughout my life. 
I just don't have that. Well, you should be able to, you know, be able to, to get some of those. Were you were you born locally? Can you get a birth certificate locally or? No, out of state. Oh, yeah. So that makes it a little bit more of a pain. But they do have folks yeah. that can, you know, work with you to help you with some of that and, and find some of those ways to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, it's just a bother because, I mean, I don't travel. Now at my age, I just don't travel. I don't need it for that. But I go to Social Security. Well, are you I, saying that it's I can still go until 2025 without a real ID? That seems to be the case based on this uh, mass.gov site. So do you do you have AAA? No. I was say because they're usually pretty good about helping you with getting you know this this stuff together and being able to get the the licensing. But what I would do is I would actually I would just call over to the to the. Uh, Social Security office and ask them and oh. say, you know, what, what 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 will it take for me to be able to come into the building? Yeah. Oh, well, I was just wondering if it was in effect because that might affect the decision of the government to think of closing it if, if fewer and fewer and fewer people can go into the building. Well, that's just my idea. They're they're seeming to claim that there's not a lot of people. There's not a, so they're they're not saying anything about like the amount of people that utilize the services there. They're looking at what it costs to run the building compared to like what the average commercial rent is, and it's like I just don't understand that at all because you're not a commercial entity. You're the government. The government always yeah. pays less for things. So I, I okay. I don't know. All right. Well, thank you for the call. Thank you. Have a Bye-bye. good day. And that's that's what's confusing me and apparently confusing Mayor Mitchell, too, is why. And, and they're basing their fair market value, you know, numbers for commercial properties off numbers in Boston. And as Mayor Mitchell said, New Bedford doesn't get the kind of money that Boston gets for commercial properties. We get about a quarter of it. So the whole thing is flawed. And I don't know how much... Standing up to this is going to make a difference because, you know, they say you can't fight City Hall. Well, what if City Hall is trying to fight the federal government? But maybe if they're loud enough, this gets at least staved off for a little while. Because as I said yesterday, that would be an attractive property. If the federal government was to pull out of it, pull out their offices and say, the ones that you need to keep in New Bedford can stay in New Bedford. They'll just find other places to be, which Mayor Mitchell says would be a disaster to be spreading those services all over the city and making it harder for people to find out where to go and to be able to get to it. But they might, you know, the the, the way the GSA is looking at it is they'll do that and then they'll transfer this property to the city or sell it to the city or whatever they do. And then the city can do whatever it wants with it. Can turn it into their own offices, can hang on to it for use for the future courthouse, sell it off to a developer who builds residential housing there. You know, when you think about it too, Mayor Mitchell has talked in the past about how he would like to see at some point the bus station moved from downtown over to the Wales Tooth area so that you have the bus station, the train station, the parking lot, all of that together. Which would, you know, not only 
compartmentalize all of those travel places and, you know, travel destinations in one spot. But in his mind would also move the homeless population away from the downtown area. The folks who hang around the bus station would not be downtown anymore. And then you've got that footprint of the federal building, the bus station. That could really come in handy if you're looking to build that new justice center down the line. So it makes sense for the city to want that property to become available. So if Mayor Mitchell is saying, we really need this federal presence to stay, and that they're willing to sacrifice that possibility of having that property, that shows me that, you know, he really feels that that is, that is the case. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. Good morning. You know, this is the really the end of everything, the beginning of the end. They want to close that down. So many people go there. Over the years, whenever I had necessary reasons to go there, there's always a line. It's outside the door even. And you're going to wait for them to check your pocketbook and all that. And people go in there for all kinds of reasons. The offices are always full. Why do they want to do something like this? This is ridiculous. We need that building. Where are people going to go after this? And and they're not. That's what's the the worst part about this is nowhere in Rotundo's letter to the mayor does it say, you know, well we we see only twenty five percent of the people that used to use this building using this building, like they they acknowledge that there's probably less use of some of the services there, and that's because people just got used to doing things online, but you still have things that you need to do face to face there, and oh yeah, I, I just yeah, don't understand this 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 mindset of I couldn't believe it when I first heard it. I said you've got to be kidding me they're closing three out of the 100 buildings in the new england region and that's one of them so i mean are you really hurting that much that you've got to look at this quote-unquote profitability and close down three out of 100 and and this one has to be one of the three it just doesn't make any sense well that, that's going to hurt a lot of people they relied on going over there for different stuff social security questions and papers and yeah, I, that that's how the end. The end is coming. They're closing things down that we need. It's now. Now it's not just the stores and restaurants, and now they're going after buildings like that. And, and now I heard the call before me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and their their answer to that is, well, you'll still have those services. They'll just have to move somewhere else. Okay, but now you've got to go, you know, to some shopping plaza in the south end, and then maybe some industrial park in the north end, and then you've got you're, you're spreading these services out all over the place instead of people oh, being able to get it done in one place. Cannot believe it. And who has the power to do this now? Is it the mayor? The mayor? I missed this whole show. Something happened, and I just missed the whole doggone thing. I didn't get to hear about the question about the pedestrian walkover over here. I didn't hear about it. I don't, I don't even know if they got to it because there was so much, there was breaking news. Um, yeah, that's all right. Between that's this okay. and, and, and the uh, the recall provision. But the mm. this is actually, it's a governmental agency that oversees this. It's the uh, the U.S. General Services Administration. So they're the ones that, that make this decision. And, they, and they're not even sent it into Bethel, right? Uh, well, there's yeah they they have they they're, they have a presence in that building. Uh, oh oh they're there okay. Another thing before oh, I only got three minutes so <laughs> that lady that called before me about the uh, real ID I've had mine for years now. But my thing is uh, we have to I had to even get divorce papers they want everything. If you're still using your married name or your maiden you're gonna go get I ran all over the place okay so now 
My question is, the illegals that are coming over here with no documents, are they given licenses and everything? How's that working? I I don't know. I don't know what, what, what they're being asked to present, but I know that they are presenting something. Yeah, they're presenting something. All, at the same time, we have to scramble around, and I have well, to pay for papers. You're going to pay for them now. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, uh, that's the, the worst part about it is you're given a, a birth certificate when you're born, uh, and then I think they're even charging you for that now, but... You know, then you have to replace it. Well, it's another 15, 20 bucks, whatever it is, every single time you lose it. So that's why I put mine in a, in a place that I won't lose it again this time. And I have no idea where I put it. It's just terrible, the whole thing. But that building downtown, I'm sorry. If they're going to take that away, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to feel that. They're yeah. going to feel that we need that building. So it doesn't have to go, right? There's a chance that, I mean, it could... It could stay there, well, right? And to be fair, uh, the regional director here, uh, Glenn Rotundo, he said it's going to be a multi-year process and that it was just identified as one of the buildings. So he didn't, you know, nobody said it's a certainty and, uh, yeah. and it's certainly not going to happen anytime soon. But now with the mayor standing up to this and, and the local delegation standing up to it, it's probably going to, you know, They'll at least give it a reconsideration, but I don't well, know if it'll change their minds. Well, I was going to say, we the people, don't we have something to say about it? Let's have a vote now. Come on. Well, Where's the democracy around here? Just, I would say, you know, if you have a few moments, call call Senator Markey in, in Warren's offices, call Congressman Keating's oh, offices, and tell them, him my mouth. Tell, you right now. tell them you want them to support it, staying open. Oh, thanks for taking my call. All right. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. And uh, we have some callers stacked up here, but I've got to take a break. Hang on. If we don't get to you, we will. I just, uh, I got to take this break. We'll be back in just a few moments. And I'm going to have Phil just wait one moment before he brings us the news so that I can squeeze in a call here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Tim. And I'll, I'll be fast. Um, regarding that federal building, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm sure the governor, you know, we're in such a cash strap situation that the governor's probably trying to scope out, figure out what can get um, eliminated as far as uh, federal money is concerned. And I wouldn't be surprised if there aren't, you know, plans for that building that no one is talking about. Um, and, you know, I guess you could read between the lines on that. And I'll, you know, I'll leave it at that. But it's pretty sad because there's no other, it's not like there's another building like in Fall River or Taunton, um, you know, where uh, people in this area can go to, because I mean, it's tough to have to go to Boston just to do some simple uh, things that you have to do, like at that, you know, in the federal building. Um, anyway, you have a good day. So um, I, that was just my comments that I just think that the governor, you know, is really looking to see what she can eliminate. And I hope our state reps and the political people of, uh, this this area really get together and pressure on whoever's trying to uh, close down that building. Anyway, you have a good day, okay? You as well. Take care. And yeah. I, I got a suggestion in from uh, Lisa in Westport via app chat on the WBSM app about um, contacting Glenn Rotundo directly. She said that's what she did. So I have his phone number and his email, and I will share that with you coming up after the news. So if you want to be able to write that down and, and send an email or make a phone call to the regional uh, director of the GSA and you want to say, hey, that that courthouse needs to, uh, that uh, federal building needs to stay open, 
then I'll provide that contact info coming up in just a moment. But right now, let's go into the newsroom and get all of the headlines of the day from Phil Devitt. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. Ten members of Harvard's alumni have filed a federal lawsuit accusing the school of failing to address unrestrained anti-Semitism on campus. The lawsuit claims that Harvard has not dealt with rampant anti-Semitism even before the Hamas attack on Israel last October. It alleges the university's failure to address the issue devalues a Harvard diploma and makes a mockery of graduates. The Hunter Biden laptop hearing in Delaware Superior Court set to begin today. The lawsuit was filed by the man who turned it over to the FBI and later shared its contents with an attorney for President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, toward the end of the 2020 presidential campaign. Biden filed a counterclaim over the circumstances around the laptop and seeks to dismiss the defamation suit. The first trial in the Rust movie shooting gets underway in New Mexico. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed by accidental gunfire on the set of the Alec Baldwin Western film back in October of 2021. Prosecutors claim the weapons handler for the movie, Hannah Gutierrez, is largely responsible for Hutchins' death. Boeing is replacing the head of its 737 MAX program. Mark Mayfield fills us in. The company announced on Wednesday that Ed Clark is leaving Boeing after nearly two decades. The 737-9 MAX jet has been under scrutiny since a door plug blew out during an Alaska Airlines flight last month. The FAA grounded all 737-9 MAX planes following the incident. In response, Boeing has said it is revamping its quality control procedures. I'm Mark Mayfield. A Michigan waitress is out of a job after she shared her side of receiving a $10,000 tip on Facebook. I was told legal action is being taken against me and that if I wanted lawyers to be after me for the foreseeable future, I needed to take my post down. Lindsay Boyd has hired an attorney after the restaurant threatened to sue her for defamation after that Facebook post, which said a co-worker told her and other people who were working in the back of the house in different shifts that they were upset the tip wasn't shared with them. This ain't Texas. And Beyonce, now the first black woman to score a number one hit on the Billboard Country Charts. On Wednesday, her hit Texas Hold'em debuted at number one on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. Before Beyonce, the highest ranking song by a black woman was over 50 years ago when Linda Martell peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Country Chart with the song Color Him Father. Time now for WBSM Sports brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. Charlie McAvoy scored the game winner in overtime to lift the Bruins to a 6-5 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Boston visits Calgary tonight, and the Celtics visit the Chicago Bulls tonight as well. Let's check your forecast with the ABC6 Weather Center. We're going to be looking at one more decent day today before wet weather arrives tomorrow, and then a much colder weekend on tap. So for today, sunshine will be fairly dominant across the region, but there will be some high clouds starting to filter that sun late in the day, the high near 44. Overnight tonight, rain showers developing around and after midnight. Look for lows to dip back down into the mid-30s. For Friday, periods of rain, the high 47. And it all clears out as we start the weekend, but it'll be windy and much colder. Highs in the mid-30s with a mixture of sun and clouds, and that wind will make it feel like it's down in the upper 20s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Bill Guile on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM.
I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. this show to just be me, myself, and I. So you can call in at 508-996-0500. You can also send app chat messages and open line voicemails on the WBSM app. But um, as I mentioned before the news, I would provide you with the information for Glenn Rotondo if you wanted to be able to reach out to him. His title, his official title, is Regional Commissioner for of the Public Building Service for the U.S. General Services Administration. So... Let me first give you his email. It's Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, two N's, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, dot rotundo. So the period, and then R-O-T-O-N-D-O. So G-L-E-N-N dot R-O-T-O-N-D-O at G-S-A dot gov. GSA for the General Services Administration dot GOV. That's his email address and his phone number, 617-565-5693. And again, 617-565-5693. And uh, if you need to find that, again, you know, if you go online and look, just look up, look it up at gsa.gov. And then go to um, About Us and select the New England region, and you'll find all the contacts there for it. But that is the person who is the one who is making this decision, or the one who is the representative of those who made the decision. What I would also recommend is reaching out to Senator Ed Markey's office, Senator Elizabeth Warren's office, Congressman Bill Keating's office, Reach out to them and let them know that you want the delegation to be in support of keeping it open. Now, according to Mayor Mitchell, they are in support of it and they will be drafting their own letter to send to the GSA. But it always helps for them to hear from the constituents. And I know you think, oh, if I call them, nobody cares. And like, then, then, no, they will write the. The staff member who speaks to you will write down all of your information and they will put it into a file, whether it be digital or physical, and they will have it on record that you are in support of keeping it open. So it's one thing if the senators and and the congressmen stand up to the GSA and say, we want this to stay open. It's another thing when they can say, we've heard from our constituents. We've received, you know, 8,000 phone calls. 10,000 emails. Those are the things that really make an impact. So if you want to see that building remained open, those are just some of the options to, to reach out to folks to, to make sure that your voice is heard. 
another thing that was discussed yesterday in the mayor's appearance with Chris, and I didn't get to hear all of it. I was I was in a meeting. But the news was broken yesterday morning that the mayor has submitted a proposal for a recall provision for elected officials in the city. There was not a recall position, a recall provision. He said last year, when the whole issue happened with the uh, the city council proposing those ballot questions. They wanted to have a ballot question about reverting the mayoral term back to two years when we've only had, and before November, we only had one mayoral election in which the candidate was elected to a four-year term. So they were already proposing rolling it back to two years. And in part of the discussion when he vetoed putting that question on the ballot, he was working uh, with, at the time, then Ward 5 Councilor Scott Lima on drafting this idea of a recall provision. So that, okay, you are nervous about there being a four-year mayor, we will put in a recall provision so that if something does go wrong, that mayor can be recalled, but it's also going to be a recall provision for any elected official, not just for the mayor. And, you know, there's been some rumblings that uh, there were city councilors who were not in support of this provision because it can affect them. It can affect anybody who's elected, school committee, assessor. And the threshold for a recall is, is pretty high. But I'm sure they're still afraid that this could somehow impact them. If it was just a recall provision for the office of mayor, I think they would vote it right through. But because it is any elected official, I think that's giving pause to some of those folks. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, what's going on, Tim? How you doing? Not bad. Yeah, I, I called it the Barry with this uh, on a recall. I, I don't think there's enough to protect against frivolous um, recalls. Like what, Part of the discussion that I had with Barry was, no, I don't like he, he wore a yellow shirt on Tuesday, uh, so we're going to recall. And what's even worse, and what you brought up, you know, the fact that you can recall a city councilor who already only has a two-year term. So what that could happen is within three months or even less, you could already start a recall right after your favorite candidate lost just because. You know, it, it gives no... Um, barrier to frivolous, you know, recalls. See, I, other than you know, obviously, your percentage that you have to, you know, gain in support. Yeah, but that percentage is a big deal. So I don't agree that it's that you can do this for frivolous things because you're not going to get the support that's required for frivolous things. So when you're out there making your case to the 15 percent of 
the registered voters that you need to, to sign off on this and you tell yeah. them, here's my reasons why, 15% of the people aren't going to say, okay, that's a good enough reason. I mean, think about this. So here's, here's the threshold for an at-large counselor or the mayor or school committee or assessor. 600 voters initiate a recall petition by filing an affidavit with the Board of Election Commissioners. That's 600 people that have to do that, go through that process. That includes 100 signatures from each ward. And then, yep. then there has to be, uh, within 45 days, it has to be returned with 15% of all registered voters across the city signing it. And then in order for, uh, and 10% of those have to come from each ward. And then once the election happens, there has to be a 15% percent turnout for that recall election for that recall to even take place so there's there's a lot of there's a very large threshold i think to cross this isn't so fall river where you can just do this every couple of years right so what you're saying is i can go out in each ward and gain a hundred signatures that's that's on the petition to begin the the process yes so well, okay. so what well the, what you need is you need six hundred voters to initiate a recall petition by filing an affidavit with the board of election commissioners that includes a hundred signatures from each ward. So that's six hundred, you know, six wards. That's a hundred signatures. Um, so I guess I guess that's one affidavit. I I misread that, but still, you've got to get a hundred signatures from each ward. So who do you want to recall? You want to recall, you know, just I'll pick on Linda Morad, Ward One. You know, uh, City Councilor Linda Mora, do you think you're going to get 100 people in Ward 1 that want to recall her? They love what she does for that ward. So it, it's, you know, there, there is a th high threshold there. But to me, that 15% of, of registered voters is a huge barrier to cross because we don't get that turnout for an election. How are you going to get 15% for, for, to, to sign a paper? Well, I, to be honest with you, I think you can get... 15% to sign a paper because a lot of people, they, almost a lot of people will walk by an individual with a petition at your local grocery store, Walmart, or stop a shop, and they'll just sign it. Okay, well, and, and that, because it's an election petition. And that may be, but now you've got to get that 15% to come out and vote during that recall election when New Bedford would hasn't had a 15% turnout in, in a municipal election. That's true. I mean, the last the last election was thirteen percent, so you'd have to actually just increase it by simply only two percent. But here's, here's my and, other and question. Hold on. The other thing too is yeah. it's not just fifteen percent turning out; it's fifteen percent turning out and you know a majority voting to to actually have that person recalled. Right. So you'd have to get like you know seven point six percent to vote in your favor. You might get 15% of people to come out, but that full 15% might be in support of, of keeping that person by the time this right. this process is all said and done. So right. I, I think I think it's a reasonable threshold. I don't think there'd be... A, and the mayor spoke about this. He wants to protect against there being frivolous attempts yeah. at a recall. Yeah, that, that's that's my biggest concern. Now, my, my other concern is if I wanted to recall one particular city councilor, I have to get 600... I have to get a a bunch of signatures from Ward 1 if I want to no, recall that's, a Ward 3? That's the process for anybody who is in an at-large office. So at-large counselors, okay. mayor, assessor. For a ward counselor, it would be 100 voters of the ward initiating the recall. So you just need, you know, it's the same 100 from the ward, but it's just only that ward. But you still have to have 15% of the ward's registered voters sign it, and they have to have 15% of the registered voters in the ward turn out for the election for it to take effect. All right. Okay, I I understand that, but I, I just it's I a little confusing. Yeah, it's a little confusing, but it, it it seems to make sense to me. 
it, for me, I would just like to see parameters put up for specific reasons. Like, I don't think you should be able to recall. I don't care what you, uh, I don't care how many signatures you get, but if you just voted because, uh, you know, on the NIP ban, you shouldn't be recalled for that. that that's, that's called an election. And that specific person uh, that voted for it can vote them out in, in two years. You know, it, 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 that particular instance doesn't make sense to me to, to initiate a recall, which costs a lot of money for the taxpayers itself, for the city, to start the, the election, to have an election. So a, a frivolous law, you know, a frivolous recall in that aspect of, yeah, well, he, he, rose, he, he was raising my taxes. He voted to raise my taxes, and I don't like that, so I'm going to recall him. I, I don't think there should be uh, an ability to do that. I think it should be a deeper um, issue to actually have have a recall. You know, having having it just for any any reason, you're still going to cost the ta- taxpayers a lot of money. It sounds like the, what you're saying then is that you know there really shouldn't be a recall provision at all then, because how do you start to delineate you know what's What's an appropriate use of trying to use the recall or not from a from a subjective point of view? So it's it's kind of one of those either you do it or you don't type situations. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I do like the the idea of a recall, but I don't think it should be for any any action. Like just because I don't like the the, the taxes were raised, my water bill was too high, the the city councilor, you know, voted on the nip ban and it's affecting my business. I think that that point, that's an argument for the actual election, which is only two years away. If what I'm saying, another example of what I'm saying is, is you're going to be always on a perpetual uh, election cycle and nothing ever gets done, too. You really got to stop to bog down on the city councils from doing the city's work. That's my other concern. You know, if you're always in a perpetual election cycle, you're always going to have to have, you know, be out raising money rather than doing the city's work and. And just a, a, a your your potential uh, opponent in the election could initiate all your recalls and ultimately cost the taxpayers a whole lot of money. Yeah, all but I, I think you some, don't like the all because you don't like the nip ban. I think something like that could become transparent to the voters too, and then they won't get the turnout that they need if they see it as just you know political gamesmanship as opposed yeah. to a legitimate reason. I mean, uh, you know, this is designed for if somebody is you know detrimental Agreed. to the office yeah so yeah. I, I i think you know you got to trust that the people will have some common sense as to whether or not they're going to sub- yeah i mean you know this we've got so many people who are um so emotionally invested in what's going on that you will have some people who are trying to to initiate a recall based on their personal problems with some of these counselors but i just yeah. don't i think everybody else will see through that and it, and, and it won't go anywhere i just i gotta hold you there because i gotta take a break but thank All you right, for good. the call have a good one and uh certainly these discussions will be happening uh, as this goes forward. It's a home rule petition, so there's a lot of pro- steps in the process to make this happen. The counselors have to approve it, which this is going to be a, you know a fight for that. Then it has to be approved by the you know the local legislature, and then the governor has to sign off on it. So a lot a lot of steps to go through to get there. So, but it's a it's a step. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll be back in just a few moments.
welcome back in 508-996-0500. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about how I've been building up a stash of tickets to give away for all kinds of shows, comedy shows, concerts, performances, all kinds of things. And uh, I just I just keep getting more every day. And shout out to Jackson over at Fun 107 for helping us secure a lot of these. And what it is, and the reason why, is because the folks in charge of these concerts, they see how much you all want to enter to win. They see, you know, we let them know how many people are getting involved in these contests. And also, you're going out and buying tickets to these shows because you're hearing about them on WBSM. So thank you for that. All of that helps us be able to, to ask for some to be able to give away. And we've got so many great shows coming up. I don't want to give it all away, you know. Well, I want to give it all away, but I don't want to spoil the surprise for a lot of it. But some of the biggest shows of the summer, we've got tickets for them. And also some of your favorites that you entered into win previously, we made sure we got tickets to, again, like the Doobie Brothers, James Taylor and his all-star band. But we've got tickets coming to some shows that you can't get anywhere else. And I mentioned, too, comedy shows are one of the things that we're getting. And uh, next week, we will start taking in entries to give away tickets to see Lewis Black. You know him from The Daily Show and from his stand-up performances. He's going on his final tour, the Goodbye Yeller Brick Road, you know, because he yells. Get it? Goodbye Yeller Brick Road Tour. He is coming to the vets in Providence, the Veteran Memorial Auditorium, great venue, so easy to get to, and uh, he's coming up March 21st at the Vets, and we will have tickets next week to give away to see Lewis Black in Providence uh, on March 21st. You can still get some tickets by going to thevetsri.com and getting your tickets there, but uh, we will have, uh, and of course, you know, Live Nation and Ticketmaster have them too, but we will have some to give away uh, starting next week. All right, I got to take one final break in the hour. We'll be right back. Um, Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.